welcome back to Chronically Iconic Mistakes. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Raya. So today we're doing a case that is really close to home and was used as inspiration for one of the American Horror Story seasons. Another day, another show I do not watch. I watched like one season, but then I got kind of weird. Good lord, what do you even do when you're home bored? Edit our podcast. I'm also like extremely mentally ill and new shows stress me out, so... (laughs) I can kind of get that though, like shows get comfortable and they're so soothing if you rewatch them. Dude, yes, thank you, nobody gets that. Dude, yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of crazy, like if I don't participate in like six hobbies and have like two shows to alternate between, I literally go into like an existential crisis. I feel like your ADHD is showing and my mental (laughs) illness is also showing. Okay, fair enough. Um, For the majority of you who have seen AHS, um, we will be covering the real-life story of the Lethal Lovers, who were the inspiration for the nurses in the Roanoke season. Oh, yeah, I know the lost Roanoke colony. Yeah, honestly, like, not the best season of AHS, but if you have an interest in that, you may actually enjoy watching it, and it's a little less weird than the first season that you probably watched, which was actually my favorite. I mean, it wasn't, like, a bad show. It just got weird after, like, the the lady had all those slaves and like the woman slept with the horse thing oh i I don't know yeah 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 um i think you are talking about the first season and it just had all sorts of weird shit but it was like so dark i like loved it in like its own creepy way i don't know all right you sold me i will add it to my fake list of shows i will definitely forget about later you definitely should, but I will uh, not hold my breath. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> yeah, I would die. Um, so to set the stage, um, I want to talk about the childhood of these murderers. And I think it's so important that we understand their upbringing and how these types of people kind of begin. So basically an origin story, if you will. I kind of like origin stories because it's like really interesting to get into people's heads to see why they are the way they are. Okay, I'm like here for that though. Calling someone's traumatic childhood their origin story makes it seem like a rite of passage instead of a tragic existence. Yeah, it honestly seems so much better if we looked at people's as like heroes and villains, but obviously life isn't that black and white. Yeah, it sure isn't. Um, So Gwen Graham had an especially dark childhood. She grew up on a farm and her parents truly believed that holding babies made them weak. Okay, what in the hillbilly shit is that? (laughs) Uh, yeah, clearly they have, like, literally never heard of the Harlow's monkey experiment. So, to be completely honest, I also haven't. (laughs) Alright, well, um, for those of you who don't know, the Harlow's monkey experiment was done in, like, the 50s. And they basically gave monkeys these, like, fake moms that would reject them in different ways. So some of the monkeys were rejected with like an airstream while others were given like these blunt strikes and the monkeys would actually hold tighter to the fake moms after the rejection like it it was super sad. Later they observed the monkeys as mothers themselves and they found that the monkeys that were given the airstream were very indifferent with their babies but they wouldn't hurt them. 
Whereas the monkeys, given like the blunt force trauma, would actually abuse their children, and most of them died in the experiment. Okay, first of all, this is extremely fucked up, but this experiment really showed that like how you are mothered as a child kind of transfers to how you will mother later in life, and like physical contact is extremely important. Yeah, it really did, and I mean, I totally agree with you, it is really fucked up, like his almost all of his studies have like huge controversy over animal abuse um but unfortunately monkeys are probably like the closest animal to human behavior so it's really hard for me to like like i clearly adore animals like we're both vegetarians but i also kind of understand why some of these are done and it sucks um but i mean seriously if you have no interest in holding a baby you really shouldn't like have kids For real though, they aren't machines, like, they have physical needs, if you can't handle that, get a fucking robot. Okay, even AI can learn and evolve to be depressed, please do not get robots, this (laughs) is how the uprising happens, and I'm seriously not mentally prepared. Can you just imagine though, like, I don't know if you've seen my latest TikTok, but robots are definitely gonna take over the world someday. I literally cannot even imagine, like, I'm currently convinced that the guy we buy toner through at my work is AI because he, like, never strays from the same generic replies. Hold up, have you never talked to this guy on the phone? (laughs) Nope, I have our relationship the way I prefer them, emails only. Dude, I feel like the world would be a better place if everyone thought that way. (laughs) Dude, I totally agree. So, Tom, if you hear this, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure you're a robot, dude. I also read that Graham was physically and sexually abused by her father as well. Okay, that's, like, past that. That's straight up fucking depressing. Honestly, it's just tragic. She's already going through so much, and they even took small comforts from her when her dog spooked some horses. Not the dog. I know. I hate when dogs are a part of these stories. But as punishment for the dog spooking their horses, her dad made her brother kill her dog in front of her. Okay, but it was no wonder why she went on to do horrible things. She was a little girl and her heart was literally just shattered at this point. She doesn't even know love. I kind of feel bad for her. I do too, and um, I mean it's important to remember that everyone does have like a choice. There are people out there who go through these things and still come out to the other side being a good person. Yeah, you're definitely right. Honestly, it really does come down to, like, choices. And I feel like genetics can play a role as well. We can always feel bad for them with what, like, happened to them when they were younger, but it never excuses, like, choices later in life. Genetics totally can play a role, absolutely. Um, You know, some people are just bad people. And at first you'll be like feeling bad for her, but later you will hate her. I mean, if you think about it, that's an origin story right there. First we'll feel bad for them and want to side with them, and then we will hate them. Kind of like Frozen with Han. (laughs) Oh boy, you sound pretty hurt there. I actually haven't watched Frozen, so... (laughs) Excuse me, who are you? (laughs) I don't- you haven't seen like anything I watch. Okay, you got me there, but you know what? Nothing has compared to the betrayal I felt when Hans literally betrayed everybody in Frozen. Well, I guess you know you're Disney, like, goddamn. (laughs) 
but like okay um back on track I do want to say something that I didn't write into this um I completely forgot that she also actually like dug her dog's body back up and she took the teeth and she put them into a little heart-shaped box as like a keepsake excuse me that is absolutely terrifying yeah I feel like that's like kind of a precursor to show you how like traumatized she was from that and how she reacted very like I don't know interestingly like I would never dig up a body and keep teeth of anything honestly it really just shows how like affected she was by what happened in her childhood yeah absolutely like she needed like this physical piece of that animal to kind of like move on and I don't know I might be weird here but I don't think that's normal no no I don't really think you're the weird one here I don't think that's normal either <laughs> okay just check it it's really dark and like I know there's those people that will actually like take roadkill and take their bones and turn them into like jewelry and stuff but I feel like it's so much different if it's an animal you're not bonded with obviously yeah I mean this is a little different she was super close to the dog obviously and now she's like an adult so she's been thinking about this for a while and it couldn't have been easy yeah I mean you obviously have to wait for the body to like decompose to easily remove teeth I'm assuming like haven't done it myself but just a guess with that little detail added in um so now we have Kathy Wood the other member of the Lethal Lovers and Kathy married early on because she fell pregnant at 17. Fell pregnant? As if you just, like, fall pregnant? <laughs> yeah. Um, that phrasing has always been a little weird to me. But Ken and Kathy had a shotgun wedding, and Kathy would later say that she purposely became pregnant so she could leave her abusive family. It's sad that it was, like, easier to take on a huge commitment than stay in her family home. Oh, I totally agree. And later, when the baby had arrived, Ken noticed that Kathy was distant from her child and was almost, like, annoyed she had to take care of her. Well, I mean, she didn't really have a kid for the right reasons. Yeah, and I mean, from what we said before, if abuse was in her upbringing, then she'd likely pass that down. For sure. I know that happens so often in cases like this. Definitely. And Kathy becomes more and more depressed, and I guess the home, like, literally became filthy. Not really a good start for raising a child, obviously. No, if you have kids, you should probably have a clean home for safety reasons, but because of this, Ken decides to encourage Kathy to go back to work and hopes it would get her kind of, like, out of the home and feeling a little bit better. Okay, so pause. For all the mothers, like, out there... Clean and cluttered is, like, not the same thing, so don't come for us. The house can be, like, cleaned, but your kid can destroy it. We get that part. So, like, clean and cluttered, that's different than, like, filth. Oh, yeah, dude. Thanks for bringing that up. I don't want you guys to, like, come for us. Like, my house isn't, like, perfectly clean, but I'm talking about, like, like kind of like a hoarding situation where it's unsafe. Also, I don't know about you, but work has never made me feel better in life. Yeah, I can't say I'm, like, driven by capitalism either, but some mm -hmm. people find work easier than, like, kids, and that's totally okay. True, true. 
So Kathy accepted a position as a nurse aide at Alpine Manor in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I like haven't seen this place anywhere. Is it like still open? So after everything that is about to happen in our story, it does close down and it's now called Sanctuary at St. Mary's, which I've actually been in before and I can say that it is as depressing as the story I'm telling. Like just like the aesthetic or what? Yeah, like, I remember it being oddly, like, small and just unnerving, like, kind of like that claustrophobia feel. Okay. Um, so Kathy meets Gwen while working at Alpine Manor. Here we go. So they hit it off pretty quickly, and eventually they began an affair. Okay, so, like, I'm guessing Kathy is at least bisexual? It seems so. Um, there's a lot of he said, she said in this case, but ultimately the couple finds audio... (laughs) I fucking can't say it, what the fuck. But ultimately, the couple finds auto-asphyxiation. Oh my god. Say it for me, say it for me. Auto-asphyxiation. Auto-asphyxiation. I think that's how you say it. Ultimately, the couple finds (laughs) auto-asphyxiation. They find choking each other to be their kink in the bedroom. Fucking yikes on a bike. We definitely aren't, like, kink-shaming here, though. You do you as long as it's consensual. Yeah, and eventually that just, like, isn't enough for them. Well, it fucking should be. It should literally stop right there. Dude, I totally agree. Um, But they decided that it was, like, a really good idea to murder some residents to really get them going. I'm really not sure why I'm surprised since you've literally set the fucking stage for this, but you. You indeed. So the couple begins the same way the AHS nurses did, and they try killing residents with the names that have the first letter to spell out murder. Well, what other way is there to choose your victims? (laughs) Right, though? So eventually they realize that this is like a very poor criteria for choosing victims, and they stop doing this after one resident makes it out alive because they, I mean, they fought back. So was, like, this abuse ever reported from the resident? Not that I could find, actually. That's really sad. Yeah, so they start choosing residents who have poor cognitive ability to make them easier to kill. Not that I'm, like, out here killing people, but that criteria seems to make a lot more sense if you're, like, trying to get away with everything. Oh, for sure. Like, if I were in the, you know, their shoes, which... I never will be, but hypothetically, if I was, I would skip the theatrics in hope of not getting caught. But these ladies aren't really known for not getting caught, so. Yeah, I mean, they picked a target that will be hard to identify, but they don't really seem great at keeping everything, like, uniform and clean. No, in fact, they actually brag to their coworkers about the murders. What? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And the coworkers just, like, straight up don't take it seriously. They think it's just some weird brag. If someone told me, I would report it immediately. I don't even care if, like, they're just weird people. Like, that's not something to joke about, especially in a profession like that. Me too. And, I mean, that's literally what you're expected to do. But I guess if you see weird people being weird, you don't necessarily question it as much. Yeah, I guess not, but I would still report it. Dude, I, yeah, I totally agree. And because this is a nursing home, 
there were no autopsies done to notice that these victims had been murdered. Well, yeah, I'm sure they'd think this was normal, but I feel like they should perform autopsies anyway. Yeah, and I think the most, like, fucked up part is that Kathy and Gwen would have sexual relations while cleaning the bodies of the deceased. Fucking vile humans. Vile is, like, the best word for them. I've cleaned deceased bodies before, like, I've literally been a CNA, and I can assure you that if you have thoughts related to that while taking care of a literal dead body, there is something very fucking wrong with you. Yeah, obviously you need professional help if you're doing this. Did they ever have, like, mental illness confirmed? And, um, I'm not a doctor, of course, but they did. Um, Gwen had borderline personality disorder along with other psychotic symptoms, and Kathy was a pathological narcissist. Oh yeah, we're definitely not doctors, but if those illnesses are left untreated, that makes a real fucked up couple. It does, and after some time, their affair seems to kind of die down, and Gwen eventually goes back to Texas with another woman. Oh fuck, this is going to end badly. Yeah, add mental illness and jealousy and shit goes down like real fast. At this point, Kathy and Ken had divorced, but she married again. Oh damn, all while maintaining this insane affair, okay. Yeah, I thought that too. Like, I can barely maintain one marriage, but um, okay. So before Kathy and Ken divorced, she actually told him about the murders. And did Ken report it? (laughs) After 14 months, he did. 14 months? (laughs) Yeah, he waited 14 months because Kathy made him promise not to tell anyone. This is a really good time to break a promise. Good lord, what made him change his mind and tell them? So Ken said that he saw Kathy wasn't getting any better, and she held so much guilt, so he went to the police to get her the help that she needed. And he also mentioned how he couldn't stop thinking about the families of the victims and how they needed to know the truth. So basically he felt guilty. Yeah, the guilt seemed to eat him alive. An investigation was immediately launched and at this point they were only able to perform an autopsy on two of the five bodies because they were the only ones not cremated. Damn those cremations. Right? Unfortunately, the autopsy wasn't able to prove that the deaths were because of smothering, but again, likely because of how much time had lapsed. Thanks a lot, Ken. Right? Come on, Ken. If he had brought this to the police sooner, it probably would have been a little bit easier for them to have some physical proof. Um, However, at this point, Kathy had told the police some of the details in return for a plea deal. She claimed that it was Gwen who had committed the murders while she was just the lookout. Yeah, okay. I would say that too if I was the first one questioned. For fucking real. And there's a book called Forever in Five Days that basically says Kathy was lying and it was her who committed the murders and convinced Gwen to go along for the ride. Gwen even says that she left for Texas because Kathy held her at gunpoint and threatened her. Yeah, and, like, I recall you saying that Kathy is a pathological narcissist, so it makes a lot of sense that she would lie about this. Yeah, that's absolutely what pathological narcissists do. Literally the definition. (laughs) Yup. 
And Gwen continued to claim her innocence during the trial. And it was, like, probably true. Likely, um, but the judge didn't believe her. And Gwen also confessed to her new girlfriend, who also testified against her. Good for her and Ken testifying. Yeah, it's gotta be hard, but I'm glad it happened because their word is literally the only proof that put these women away. Amazing, and like super rare that's basically the only proof they had that like never happens. Right? And because of the plea deal, Kathy Wood was sentenced to prison for one count of second-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 20 years on each count, but after serving 29 years, she was granted parole in October of 2018. Graham was found guilty of all charges, um, five counts of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder, and sentenced to five life sentences without the possibility of parole. So, like, what wasn't Kathy, like, released? So Kathy was released, and I actually remember reading about this literally, like, when we were working together. Um, It was in our local news when I lived in Grand Rapids. So Kathy was released on January 16th of 2020. Man, that was recently, and I kind of remember you, like, talking about it when it was all going down. Yeah, honestly, it's, like, crazy. Um, And... The retired detective who handled the case firmly believes that Kathy was, like, the mastermind to these murders, but for some reason he said he didn't believe that Kathy was a concern to the public. Wow, um, okay, I think she fucking is. Yeah, plea deals are, like, honestly insane because it's like, well, whoever tells us the information first, so she really knew how to play the system on that one. And, um, Angman, a son-in-law of one of the victims who had been leading basically the fight against her release, um, did say, and I quote, my fear is that she will find some old person, old people, incorporate herself into their family, take their property, take their lives, and move on and do it again. Good for him, though, for, like, putting up a good fight. I'm assuming Kathy won't be able to work in elderly care again, which is good. So, you definitely think that, right? However, the South Carolina Parole Board said that she will be kept from caring for the elderly and children, but those conditions actually end when her parole ends, which was in June of 2021. So, like, you know, last month. And here is another huge problem with our healthcare system. That ban should be for life if you have been guilty of such a foul crime. I absolutely agree. There is like a huge problem in the American healthcare system that really puts the vulnerable population in jeopardy. She should seriously not be allowed in any care setting ever again. So fucked up. And there are many, many innocent people that don't have a say in the matter. Like this lady can just go into a facility if they're not doing like proper like background checks and stuff and just like start working and nobody would know anything about it yeah you would think um you know typically these positions are good about background checking however i do know that when you're a nurse aide and you're not a certified nurse aide they typically are a little more lenient about getting you to work i mean you're not certified so they're not going to pay attention as closely you're giving a lower level of care 
Yeah, and I feel like if you're a narcissist, you are super good at, like, sweet-talking people and, like, kind of getting your way in situations where you shouldn't even be. Yeah, pathological narcissists are typically pretty good at smooth-talking. They'll know exactly what you want to hear, but eventually they usually do get caught in their lies. So, I mean, hopefully if she isn't well-known literally everywhere... Um, you know, and she does make it through the screening process that they catch on quicker than Alpine Manor did. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, so stay tuned for our next episode. There's a surprise coming next episode. (laughs) Yep. And we have included a lot of different sources. I highly suggest the Forever in Five Days book. Um, I've heard it's amazing. I'm not a reader. Sorry, guys. Um, but there's also a documentary on Netflix, so check it out, um, and read about this horrible, horrible case. Bye. Bye.